Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. My name is Josh Norris, joined as always on this waiver show by John Daigle. Daigle, 15 weeks in the book. Here we are, week 16. We know our audience is just as large as it was in September. That is not true. Of course. I am, I am lying to the people out there. But we do have an audience still, especially on this show, Daigle, because you have helped them along the way. I will give you credit because I know you will never give yourself a pat on the back, Daigle. You've never done that in your life. Um, to be fair, I always joke around when I do that. Everyone <laughs> everyone knows I actually do not take myself seriously. I take my work seriously. Myself, there's no way in hell. Uh, also, you should have prefaced two things here. One, week 16 championship round podcast, by the way. That's yes. what you should say. Also, a large audience for the number one podcast under the embassy umbrella for four years running. Yeah, I mean, I've never mentioned that ever in a conversation with anyone, with you, with other coworkers, no one. So I'm glad we've finally called attention to that. Yeah. Yes, this is the championship week. The waiver show might be a bit shorter. You might see a time code that's a bit shorter than normal. And it's because, Daigle, there's only two teams left in your league yeah. at this point. There are only four teams left in your league last week. And there are fewer teams that are willing to pick up players. And most importantly, Daigle, if you're going to pick up a player, you basically have them in consideration to start. And that's the frame of mind we're going to look at all of the players today. All right? Let's start off with probably one of the major storylines from week 15. That was Tony Pollard. We found out Saturday, I believe, or Sunday morning, actually, mm-hmm. that Ezekiel Elliott basically is going to miss the first game of his career. And Tony Pollard steps in. And looks great behind a bad offensive line that we had questioned all year long. And Daigle, it's because he was making plays for his own, creating yards on his own. This is an opportunity we had all wanted him to see for so long because he had been so good in minimal touches. And now we get to see around 15 to 20. What's not there to love? Was not concerned about the touches per se. Was concerned, as you said, behind an offensive line and a worrisome game script. What seemed like a bounce back spot for the 49ers. It turns out you can't bounce back when you have Nick Mullins under center. Nonetheless, though, Pollard did actually average less than two and a half yards per carry before that pinwheeling 
40-yard touchdown. That was Emmett Smith-like, where he was in the middle of five tacklers, and he just came out the middle, hit the circle button, spun move to the end zone. Looked amazing. But what we care about here is the usage behind the scenes. 90% of the team snats, a route run on 73% of Andy Dalton's dropbacks, a sheer pass catcher from the backfield, and, of course, nine running back targets, which was 100% of the team's backfield targets because they literally only had a fullback basically active behind him. So if Zeke is out again, Pollard is absolutely a league winner in what should be a very high-scoring matchup against an Eagles offense that has become full throttle since Jalen Hurts rightfully took over. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. That's the biggest question, though, is if Tony Pollard starts. Now, he should be owned in every single league. He should be rostered in every single league out there. But we're probably not going to know until the morning of the game if he is going to start, if he's not. And Daigle, it gets to a point with Zeke missing a contest. Like, let's say you're me, all right? I'll insert myself into this equation. I just lost Clyde edwards Lair for the fantasy football championships, all right? I do not have a second back. Leonard Fournette is on my team. Maybe he starts. I use Tony Pollard. Maybe he starts. And those are basically the two backs I'm, I'm going with at the moment. So if Zeke is active, I don't know. One, the opportunity that Tony Pollard is going to get. And two, maybe I'm optimistic that he gets 10 touches. And is 10 touches enough against an Eagles team, which we just talked about, has been losing defensive pieces, has slow linebackers, yada, 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 that maybe he can end up being fantasy viable and be the better option versus the other ones I do have. That's the thing. I don't think they would scratch Ezekiel Elliott. It's a $90 million elephant in the room. <laughs> they have no choice. McCarthy, when he was hired, basically had to give the handshake to Jerry Jones and say, I understand I'm tied to this player for the next five years. I understand I have to use him. So my belief is that they think they are better with Zeke on the field, even though Pollard has been the better player. So if Zeke is able to play, I think Pollard played well enough to earn half of the team's touches. But again, it's half the team's touches. I would actually bet that he outperforms and outproduces and outscores Zeke on those touches. But it's still going to split his workload in half. And for a player that only got 12 carries, that's certainly concerning if Zeke is active. Yeah, 12 carries, 69 yards, two touchdowns, that long run of 40 that we already talked about, and then nine targets, six receptions, 63 yards. A wonderful day against the 49ers defense. And I hope, I truly hope we get to see it again against the Philadelphia Eagles. And by the way, I forgot to mention this. There is much more written 
in the waiver wire column, which you can go check out on the front of Rotoworld right now. Um, let's go to another name. Uh, sp- sticking with starting running backs, and I use that in quotation marks, starting running backs. Let's talk Edo Smith because, I mean, since week nine, Todd Gurley has basically been an irrelevant player. We know earlier this season, Todd Gurley was making a living on rushing touchdowns. was up there with Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, so on and so forth. I mean, and once that was eliminated, we know that his production, again, has fallen off a cliff. Well, Raheem Morris came out and has said that Edo Smith is basically lead ball carrier. Does that make Edo Smith relevant this week, Daigle? He didn't even have to tell us. We saw the past month that Gurley has a total of 23 carries for 60 yards, just doing nothing. He's become a third down player if you read Hayden usage RB touch column every Monday. Uh, And so that's why Morris basically named Edo Smith a starter. The concern is that the Falcons running back still will be unusable. I'm curious if we see Gurley honestly healthy scratch now since they are trying to pass the torch to Ito. Remember, both Gurley and Brian Hill are unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. The Falcons have nothing left to play for. So maybe we see a two-game sample here of if they want to stick around with Ito, who's still on his rookie deal for another couple of years. And that would make sense, honestly, since uh, they have to try him out. They have to know what they're chasing, if anything, in free agency and in the draft. And the best part about it is even the Falcons don't hang around. It is an up-tempo matchup against the Chiefs where you know Ito will be on the field catching passes. And that's what we want to see from our running backs. So I do actually like him for deeper leagues, a flex play. I think you can start him immediately, especially if we see one of these two inactive behind him. Not to go to a dark place here, Daigle, but I truly think we've seen the end of Todd Gurley's career in the NFL. Yep. Uh, what, a $5.5 million deal this year. We heard from D- Dirk Cutter that uh, he didn't even know the state of Todd Gurley's knee. And look, it looked optimistic, looked promising in the first few weeks. I mean, he kind of was a power back, right? He was kind of a straight line runner and winning on contact. But now there's nothing there. There's no juice left. Uh, it's, I mean, it sucks because we know the running back position typically has a short shelf life. But Todd Gurley is like the prime example of it being extremely short because you had someone who, and yes, the awards, the nominations, all that kind of stuff, but he was a focal point in the running game and most importantly, a focal point in the passing game. We've seen over the last few years that the passing game usage has just evaporated. It stinks. I I hate it because I root for these players and I'm so glad he got his money and he's still getting money from the Rams. But I hate when we see great players, regardless of the position, just decline like this so sharply. It happens to quarterbacks and cornerbacks in the blink of an eye, but running backs, it seems to do six, seven years quicker. That's why they have the Mm -hmm. shortest shelf lives of any position. So yeah, it does seem like he's practically done, unfortunately. Uh, Maybe we can say that about Zeke as well, but also I'm I'm chalking up Zeke's year to COVID and we'll see what happens next year. Um, Derek Henry has seemed to be the only one that has no way of stopping at Mm -hmm. all. Let's now go to a quarterback and we've been talking about him for two weeks since he was named the starter, and that is Jalen Hurts. And the reason, Daigle, we need to keep talking about him is because he's still out there unrostered in way too many leagues. And he put up, Daigle, 37-plus fantasy points last week. I mean, he had to have been, what, the quarterback one, the quarterback two, quarterback three, depending on your scoring. And you mentioned it prior to the Saints game. It wasn't to start him in that contest. It was to start him for the stretch that started with the Cardinals last week, and now the Cowboys in week 16. And look, he might not be the most perfect, poised passer at this moment, 
but it doesn't matter because he's getting 12 to 15 carries, 100-plus yards, and Jalen Hurts is exactly the type of player, Daigle, that you probably need to trust in your fantasy football championships despite him not being the one that got you here. We talked about it on the review show that Hurts not only 29 carries in his past two starts, but also had seven completions of 20-plus yards downfield. So when you look and see 24 completions, big deal. But the fact is he's launching it deep, and he doesn't care. He's just trying to be a playmaker, and he's done that so well, especially this past week against the Cardinals, the third most fantasy points ever for any quarterback in one of his first two starts since 1950. Uh, now he gets this atrocious Cowboys defense that seems to be even with Pollard on the field at least scoring more points more competently against soft competition which is what we should consider the Eagles because again banged up three missing starting corners this past week against Kyler if that happens again where they can't have defenders on the field and healthy against Andy Dalton I have confidence the Cowboys can move the ball too so just a good overall in game environment a quarterback with a very high rushing floor I will throw this out there right now if you ask me Jalen Hurts or Russell Wilson in the championship game it is unequivocally Jalen Hurts yeah easily and we'll have Rudder World Live this Sunday at noon Eastern on Periscope YouTube all those good places Twitch and I'm sure we'll establish the Jalen Hurts line but Daigle I mean it's not crazy to say that like unless you have I don't know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, one of those top two or three options, start Jalen Hurts, and you need to be confident in this. I mean, he had two passes. He went two for two inside the 10-yard line passing. Then he had two carries inside the 10-yard line, scored on one of them, three total touchdowns inside the 10-yard line. I mean, those are high-value opportunities, and he's making the most of them right now. He's fun to watch. He's fun to watch. We love the entertaining aspect of it, and we love that he's helping us along the way. I'm probably not starting Hurts over Josh Allen since you mentioned it, but right. Belichick always does have Allen figured out. So it's going to make me think on Sunday morning for sure. Uh, let's close with the Dolphins running back situation because we might talk about it now here as you're listening to this on a Tuesday morning. It might not matter until, I don't know, Thursday morning, Saturday morning, Sunday morning, Daigle, because it seems like it's a – this is the situation right now that we just don't know who's going to start and who's going to get the touches. And I would even say a wrench has been thrown in it by the name of Matt Breida, who it certainly felt like Brian Flores didn't want to play at all this season. And then he goes, and I've always thought Matt Breida, you know this, Daigle. I think he's a super talented football player. And they traded, I think, like a fifth-round pick for him this past April. Um, and he made the most of his opportunities. And so it's not just Salvin Ahmed, not just Miles Gaskin returns, but also Matt Breida's involved. It's a lot like Raheem Mostert, to your point, honestly. Mm. Uh, anytime Mostert makes it to the line of scrimmage, he hits this third gear, not even a second, a third gear where he takes off to the races. But I actually wanted to talk about this with you because I wanted to talk the entire offense. What we saw without receivers, without Jasicki, without Jakeem Grant and Devontae Parker, was that the offense changed completely. Uh, they had 26 pass attempts for Tua to 37 running back carries overall. Didn't really even try to throw the ball and played a slower paced game than we saw the past two weeks that afforded Tua back-to-back season highs and pass attempts. So if Parker and Jasicki turn around for this game, I don't even think we're having this discussion for the running backs. I think we're having this discussion as Tua, as a legitimate starting quarterback and two quarterback in Superflex leagues, I would think top 16 because he gets a miserable Raiders defense that just doesn't have playmakers. And so I think they would actually attack through the air and continue skipping on the run as they showed us two games prior to last week if they have all their playmakers healthy. 
Having said that, if they do not, then we can go to Gaskin if he's healthy or Ahmed, as we saw this past week, if Gaskin is still on the COVID list, which is still to be determined. So a lot to piece together, but I think the steps to get there are very clear if you're paying attention throughout the week. I talked about the game-by-game recap show with Pat, and I implore you all to go and at least check out the highlights of the Dolphins game. Tua's stat line looks like garbage, but he played really well. I mean, he was elevating the people around him, and those two rushing scores that he had, while I think he had a total yardage on the ground of nine yards, I mean, it looked like he had to make 20 yards out of it because of weaving and avoiding tacklers, so on and so forth. It might have been Tua's best game, despite what the box score indicated. I still wish they could get it going, you know, in the first and second quarters, that hasn't happened yet, Daigle. Can we have this conversation that it's okay for the Dolphins still to draft a quarterback next year, right? No. Like we don't. You don't think so? We don't, <laughs> no, we don't I, have I mean, to have the answer for Tua this year. Like, why don't you add competition? You get three. They get three first-round draft picks, including the Texans. They, they, they do, and I think that that's the reason why that they did play him so quickly uh, and why it was a surprise was because they knew that they're in the position that you're talking about. Um, but I, I think – Tua is, has shown enough. Now, I'm always a Tua advocate. Like, I, I loved him prior to the draft. Uh, you know, I had him over Justin Herbert, which has been a whiff, and I'll admit that. But then the Dolphins would admit it, too. I mean, they know that they screwed up not taking Justin Herbert, right? But with Tua, what he's showing now, I mean, Daigle, he he has no one. He has no one to make plays. You have Lynn Bowden, who was drafted by another team. They already gave up on him. And he's, you know, manufacturing touches to him. Isaiah Ford, who you trade to another team, and now he's back, like – there's no one on the roster and he was able to really create um, either quick or slow inside and outside of structure. I, I really, really liked what he showed in week 15. And again, there's two weeks left who knows, but you know, unless that one player that they really like, and this is what the quarterback discussion always is mm-hmm. falls to them. Cause you don't fall in love with, you know, three or four quarterbacks, right? Like there's, there's one, maybe two, that you really love. And so where they are, someone would probably need to fall to them where the Texans are picking. Um, but it might happen. It, w- it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be crazy. Let's put it that way. It's a good question that you asked. It is. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Also, since we're just having random conversations because it's week 16, and no one's listening anyway, so let's keep on talking. Uh, can you explain the Marty Herney situation to me like I'm five? Because isn't it a long-term outlook the Panthers are doing? Why would he get fired or relieved of his duties after one year. I don't think I understand. The team, of course, is playing the most rookies on defense. They've given the most snaps to rookies this year. It's a long-term build. Yeah, but he was already on the job while Ron Rivera was in charge. So, like, I believe Marty Herney was the general manager 
from 2002 to 2012. Mm -hmm. And then Dave Gettleman came in. And then truly out of nowhere, Dave Gettleman was fired just after, I believe it was the DJ Moore, Dante Jackson draft class. Okay. Mm, maybe it was the Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel draft class. Yes, it was that one. So 2017. So Marty Herney has been there for 2018, 2019, and 2020. Um, obviously, last year, around this time, maybe a little bit before, Ron Rivera was let go. So David Tepper, you know, a lot of these teams hang on to either head coaches or GMs for the whole season, then they want to make the move. Tepper is like, hey, look, when I know, I know I'm not going to keep you around here. and I'm just going to get rid of you. It was pretty clear this summer, Daigle, in this past draft class and with free agent moves, that Matt Rule's background as a recruiter, he heavily relied on athletic testing, which you know I love. Mm -hmm. It shows process. And that has never been a Marty Herney thing. Even, you know, being on the job for over 10 years, he has never shown a process where we can pinpoint, oh, that's a Herney guy, that one, that one, that one. Um, and so in one draft class, it's pretty clear that Matt Rule's fingerprints were basically all over it. And so I don't think that David Tepper wanted to completely overhaul the entire front office in one offseason. Because, you know, David Tepper's pretty new on the job as well. Right. And so having Marty, one, tell him everything that he wanted to know, but also help, you know, hold the hand of Matt Rule in the building with relationships. And then once Matt Rule got to a point when it's basically – his organization and exactly how he wants it to run, then Marty Herney is no longer needed. And Perfect. so I don't think Matt rule is going to be the number one voice when it comes to player evaluation and picking players. But I, I also don't think that Marty Herney was great at it. You know, no one is good at drafting players, but what I think is most important when evaluating evaluators is figuring out the moments and the players that they made priorities. And most recently, Marty Herney made Greg Little a priority, trading up a, a third-round pick to get him in the second round, and then taking Will Greer at pick number 100. Now, you can look at those draft classes and find two players like Chauncey Gardner-Johnson instead of Will Greer, a lot of second-rounders, DK Metcalf, for example, instead of Greg Little, and be like, oh, those would have been great picks, but Marty has that a lot in his history. You know, he traded up for Monty Edwards. He took Jimmy Clausen, Everett Brown. He gave away the 33rd overall selection for it. I can keep going. So whereas thousands, hundreds of players are evaluated each and every year, to me, the evaluations only matter when you're making them priorities because it shows full confidence in your ability. And he's missed on those. And so, yeah, I think it's smart to bring in someone that probably aligns with Matt Rule's process more does that make sense i know that was a long conversation no no no. That, that's perfect so not a greg williams situation where you're bad at your job get out of here but we knew tepper was bringing in rule to listen to him he entrusted him to build literally a program uh, yep. a 10-year deal to like get this thing going long term and they just didn't have the same vision and they knew that from, from the beginning and so now they're parting ways it makes perfect sense yeah, and I, I think everyone could look at this Panthers team and be like, oh, they're not making the playoffs this year. So rather than just do a wholesale change, just do it in steps. Just do it in steps. And it wouldn't be shocking, Daigle, if Marty Herney gets like the GM job next to Ron Rivera up in Washington. I think that's a possibility course, yeah. too. Also, so. 
Also fairly funny that Rule came out and said, no, like, no way do I want to be GM. Whereas we see other coaches like Bill O'Brien, like others who have been fired, just leap at the opportunity to get as much power as possible. Matt Rule is taking like the manager role, like super seriously in that, you know, he's not a head coach who's calling plays on offense or defense. Now he's also not going to be, you know, the lead evaluator, the lead GM, so he's basically just overseeing all operations. And that's a that's a pretty nice gig to have because you can basically, as long as some of like the finite details, which he has missed at times this year in Carolina, don't, you know, go slip through the cracks, then then he's in a pretty good spot. He's in a pretty good spot. And, and Joe Brady doesn't have to drive that far south <laughs> to get to Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. This isn't hard. Why not up to Cincinnati? Go back to uh, Joe Burrow. That's a possibility Ooh, too. I'm interested. Um yeah, and I thought David sure. Tepper, I, I thought David Tepper's com- comments on Teddy Bridgewater were interesting as well. Bridgewater, I think, is basically locked in next year, but the next year, absolutely not. So we'll see. It right. it could be another off season of change there. But you know, I was at the combine last March when people could be around each other, and you know, Matt Rule was just lying through his teeth that Cam Newton was going to be his quarterback. So things move quickly. Things and, move- and off season of changes happen. Yes, they do. They, they, they definitely do. All right. Um, do we have any deep cuts? I mean, are deep cuts even necessary when if you pick up anyone to start them? Um, like Zach Pascal had a major week, but no, you know, no. I, I don't know if we, we can really rely on anyone in that Colts passing game that we want to start in the fantasy championships. I got a few deep cuts, but Zach Pascal was unfortunately not, not one, one of them. them. Uh, Gus Edwards, I know we are clambering at the bit to see J.K. Dobbins play more, and he did with Mark Ingram, surprisingly, and rightfully healthy scratch this past week. But Gus Edwards, I mean, there's a reason why Dobbins isn't playing more. Edwards is just good. Like Even having a 26-yard explosive catch, every time he touches the ball, just like Dobbins, he makes a play. And so I think he's just as viable well, I wouldn't say as viable of Dobbins to start, but Edwards is a RB3, fringe RB2. You can, can confidently start if you need a player. Uh, Divine Zigbo, James Robinson is out. All the touches will go to a Zigbo to evaluate him. Of course, it's against the Bears, so it's a miserable matchup. But again, if you were playing James Robinson, whatever. Here's a Zigbo. We've talked about him a lot. Deeper leagues as well. Alshon Jeffrey actually led the Eagles in routes run. And I see you laughing over there, Josh. But the fact that Hurts is still throwing deep balls to him, and as we talked about earlier, it's a terrific matchup. You may need a flex, maybe you have multiple flex spots. Alshon Jeffrey, not the worst pickup. And we talked about him on the review show, but Darren Arnold has emerged as Kyler's second target. It's not Christian Kirk or Isabella, who's been healthy scratch for two straight games now. They are giving 50-50 balls to Dan Arnold, and he's coming down with them or drawing DPIs. So just the fact that we're getting a tight end, running more routes, and getting downfield shots is a plus. Also, Max Williams was knocked out early this past game, and if he's out for this upcoming matchup against the Niners, obviously Dan Arnold will stay glued to the field, so he'll be a terrific buy for the playoffs. I think this is our last waiver show. I think next week we're going to record like a short video that you all can watch on the Rotor Twitter feed, but there's no reason to do a show in week 17 um, for waivers. Now, this is our schedule again the rest of the week. Wednesday evening, game-by-game preview show. Myself, Daigle, Pat Hayden. We'll start the recap show on Monday mornings. Rewind just before then. We'll also have Rotor World Live, noon Eastern this Sunday, our last one for week 16. Um, and then we'll do a game by game preview show. I think the following Wednesday as well for week 17. And then that's that we've accomplished it. That is the season. Daigle. We got and through 2020 somehow, some way. Congratulations.
Congratulations. It's been fun. It's been good. All right. We will talk to you all on Wednesday up the villa. See you then. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.